Welcome to City Stories, the podcast by Energy Cities. I'm Miriam Eisenman and I'm your host. The city of Valencia and Dublin County are both on an ambitious trajectory. Not only do they aim for becoming greener and fairer cities by 2050, but also they do push beyond their comfort zone by designing their roadmap with a big variety of stakeholders. We chatted with Jordi Peris Blanes from Valencia and Katie Harrington from the Dublin Energy Agency, and we learned more about this very creative vision building in times of climate urgency. Welcome to City Stories, Katie and Jordi. Thank you both for being here today. Uh, for a start, tell me a little bit about yourselves and your respective roles. Yes, um, great to uh, be here, Miriam. Thank you so much for inviting me on. My name is Katie Harrington and I am the Energy and Climate Awareness Officer with CODEMA. Thanks, great having you uh, here, Jordi. Hi, Miriam. Uh, well, I'm Jordi Peris. I'm, uh, the, uh, I belong to the City Council of, the, of Valencia and I'm uh, the General Coordinator for Urban Strategies and Sustainability Agenda. I belong to the Mayor's Office of the City. So uh, now that we know uh, who you are and what you're doing, um, let's go a bit deeper into the topic, really. Each of your cities, so Valencia and Dublin, because Kodima is, is working actually for the Dublin region, uh, has started a transition to become low carbon places. And I guess one of your objectives is to improve the lives of citizens. What is it that you're trying to achieve through this transition? Can you quickly summarize it? Uh, I think that we are we are addressing a very ambitious uh, program in our city concerning climate change neutrality. In fact, we have uh, appointed to be one of the 100 climate neutral cities that the European Commission has uh, has uh, incorporated in 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 in, he, in its call uh, related to to the mission that they have defined. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, uh, for us, uh, climate change is one of, uh, one of the main challenges that uh, our city uh, will have in the, in the near future. So we, have, we are developing an overall, overall strategy in order to address that, uh, that issue that uh, particularly addresses the main uh, focus of emissions in the city, which are, are concerned with, with mobility, with energy, With water and uh, uh, other 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 issues that are the key uh, essential elements uh, for climate change mitigation in, in, in the coming coming year coming years. Okay, uh, Katie, is that the same in Dublin? Yeah, very much so. Um, so we are, as you said, Miriam, we are the, well, I'm not sure if you did mention that, we're the energy agency for Dublin. So we work with the, the four Dublin local authorities or municipalities here um, in the capital of Ireland. And we are very much committed to developing a roadmap that's you know, grounded in developing the best pathways for Dublin to meet our climate targets. So nationally, we have a 2030 target of reducing our greenhouse gas emissions by 51% and then reaching net zero emissions by 2050. So, you know, we're, we're on a very ambitious traje trajectory and we, you know, we really want to, I suppose, push beyond our comfort zone and um, beyond working just with the local authorities and, um, you know, 
kind of push past working in silos and collaborate with you know, a range of different sectors across Dublin to kind of meet our, our climate targets and ensure that we do this in a very fair and effective way. Fantastic. Now, there's a whole strategic and, as you say, Katie, very participatory process behind this transition. So you're, you're designing a pathway until 2050, which you call a roadmap. So 2050, I mean, that sounds very far away. Uh, why looking so long term? Yeah, um, yeah, it's a very good question. Um, I suppose just to explain to your listeners, um, so as part of this kind of transition management process, um, we created what is known as a transition team, which um, is essentially defined as a, you know, a, a group of front runners, uh, for want of a better word, um, So people who are intrinsically motivated when it comes to, to climate action um, and they should represent, you know, a range of different sectors from across, you know, academia, business, transport and so on. So we recruited around 18 people to join this team. And one of the very first tasks that we set for the group was to take part in a, in a visioning exercise. So this isn't always an easy thing to do um, because you're asked to, I suppose, remove all of your preconditioned knowledge about the barriers and what could get in the way of a zero emission future, such as, you know, policy, infrastructure, finance. So we decided to focus, I suppose, long term to 2050 because it's far enough away to allow us to explore the possibility of this, you know, utopian future, but not too far that it's completely out of reach and um, I suppose to focus solely on 2030 which is only eight years away it becomes significantly more difficult to dream about the future that we want mm -hmm. to see and um, you know when the reality of the system that we're working in is, is much more palpable. Did you see the same Jordi in Valencia that the 2050 horizon is kind of helpful to design the next steps and the, the future? Uh, well, yeah, I think we think it's essential to, to think in, in the long term. But according to our last decisions, uh, we ha we have increased our ambition in relation to the this uh, mission called by the European Commission. And in case we are selected as one of the 100 uh, climate neutral cities uh, by the uh, by the Commission, we have set the goal to becoming uh, climate neutral in 2030. Uh, of course, this is uh, an, an important ambition for, 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 for our city, but we, what we are, what we have uh, uh, decided is, to, is to, to, to multiply and to, to accelerate all the transition processes in the, in the city. Uh, we are also uh, trying to define our roadmap for that, for that horizon. Uh, and what we are trying to, to combine is to, to think uh, at the same time uh, with this long-term uh, vision of what we are trying to, to, to achieve in terms of uh, emissions reduction with a more concrete focus on action and, and, mm -hmm. and implementation of what we call demonstration projects. We have also created some uh, um, open governance spaces in order to envision, in order, in order to define uh, transformative projects and demonstrative projects. Uh, and we try to, to, to make this convergence because between this long-term vision and this approach of implementing a demonstrative project that, that can be 
put in practice in the short term in order to advance and to demonstrate how can we transform the key uh, elements of the city in order to achieve this, this, uh, these goals. I, I do appreciate that you bring up the demonstration projects because it's important to say also that the roadmap is not only a like theoretical exercise, but it's also something that should lead to very concrete action on the ground. So you had to define targets for 2050 or, as you say, um, Jordi, for Valencia already for 2030 because you want to speed up the, the transition. Um, so... That means that you set priorities because you, you certainly cannot tackle everything at once. Did you have to make bargains when setting those priorities? How did you decide, both of you in Dublin and in Valencia, um, that one field was more important than another? Yeah, no, just to, to second what Brady was saying there in terms of the importance of, of action, just to, to kind of... Um, I very much support that. I think we definitely need to see the most ambitious action in the next eight years. You know, if we have have any chance of seeing our vision of 2050 come to fruition. But to to answer your question, Miriam, in terms of setting priorities, I suppose for us, we didn't put any parameters around, you know, developing the vision for Dublin in 2050. We kept it as a very divergent, open process where we asked the team to very much think beyond the realms of possibilities. So, I suppose we find that by setting priorities, we may prevent people from exploring themes and areas that they felt were important. Um, so just to explain to your listeners a little bit about what we did, we actually spent an entire day with our transition team working through our vision for 2050, uh, which involved us doing several different activities like a guided meditation. So, mm -hmm. you know, we we looked at like kind of walking through Dublin in 2050. What did it, what would it sound like, smell like, you know, that kind of thing. We also made uh, clay models that captured kind of an element of our own vision and created a story around this. So it was a very creative and I suppose at times uncomfortable process but mm -hmm. it very much allowed us to transport ourselves to the future that we want to see and explore themes that we felt were extremely important for the future of Dublin without setting parameters on that because ultimately our roadmap is going to be grounded in an evidence base and um, that our energy master plan team and our engineers and Codeem have been working on uh, but before we get into that nitty-gritty it's, it's so important to, to kind of remove um, those barriers and, and think beyond the realms of possibility. I mean, that sounds super exciting and very creative, the process. Was it um, similar in Valencia? Were you, um, were you using similar, like, very creative methods? We had to, to define which kind of city we, we expect for the, mm -hmm. for the horizon we were working with. But at the same time, it was essential to define which were the specific projects that uh, will help us to de demonstrate in the present how uh, we want to build this future and and that forced uh, uh, us to to prioritize because we needed to define and to establish with, which were the key uh, projects in which we had to invest our resources and our efforts and mm -hmm. we find a, a set of different kind of projects that, that that i think that are helping us to demonstrate in practice how We want to reach this objective that is absolutely uh, ambitious. Can you just quickly mention one or two of those projects so that listeners uh, get an idea of uh, what what they look like? 
One of our demonstrative projects is regards the creation of energy communities in the city mm-hmm. uh, for production and consumption of on, on of renewable renewable energies. Some of them are also uh, uh, related to awareness and education and participation. For instance, the the, the project that we call the fifty fifty project, mm-hmm. which is a project that we that that that, that, that we carry out in in schools. Where through participatory processes, the the school community, the students, the teachers, the fathers, the mothers, etc., uh, define the the strategy for energy efficiency in the schools, and then all the savings that are gained in the schools are, are reinvested uh, in uh, energy efficiency of the schools. So it's a way of also empowering people in energy decisions. And then we have another another uh, demonstrative projects related to uh, energy renewable and energy production in the city, energy uh, buildings re- rehabilitations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So quite quite a broad range of of super interesting demonstration projects. There's a, a big diversity of tools that have been used in both of your places, and of course a diversity of people involved. Um, so this is one special feature, I think, of this whole process that it's very collaborative and that co-creation with others is is key. Uh, and that's also a different public sector attitude than what we had still seen, I think, ten years ago. So that that's a great evolution that we see all around Europe. Um, now, working with different players requires a lot of skills. Uh, can you remind our listeners who were your various partners during the process? I mean, you already mentioned some of them, um, Katie and Jordi, but maybe some of, of like the key partners that should be involved in such a process. So just to, for your listeners as well, just to um, let them know, you know, we're still very much um in this process we haven't completed our roadmap yet we're very much looking to so before I forget to say this uh, to Valencia as a you know a source of inspiration there are definitely several strides ahead of us at this point um, so you know examples like their demonstrative pro- projects and things like that and uh, are, are really impressive um, but yeah I suppose in terms of working with different stakeholders and collaboration um, we kind of worked through an entire stakeholder mapping exercise to determine who would be the key player And and we've brought in, you know, individuals who are, you know, intrinsically motivated when it comes to climate action. So we've looked at, you know, the local authorities. We have representatives from from the four local authorities here in Dublin, academia, transport, community, um, business. And to be honest, you know, it's kind of one of those things we see it as concentric circles moving outwards. So, you know, ideally they're reaching into their networks and, and bringing people in. But yeah, the, the kind of co-creation and collaboration process, um, it isn't necessarily a new uh, idea for us in Codema. We've been involved in in several collaborative pro- projects over the years, but this is very new for us uh, for such a prolonged period of time so that kind of recruitment and creation of this type of team to engage consistently over a year wasn't something that we've done before um, and kind of designing a space for this group of very different you know change agents who are all very busy and are giving up their time to be part of something that we believe is is really really important but that's a new process for us it's a it's a huge learning curve um, mm. but also a really great opportunity for us to engage with a range of people step outside of our comfort zone of, of just working with the local authorities and bring in other perspectives to kind of challenge us and, and, and kind of bring this roadmap to life. 
What about Valencia, Jordi? Um, I know that the Energy Roundtable was created in 2020, but before that, were you and your team familiar with such very participatory processes? Yeah, we were we were familiar with these uh, participatory approaches, but uh, since 2020, we incorporated this um, systemic innovation approach, and I think that it has uh, been really really helpful. We also did a stakeholders map for our, for defining our our uh, our board for energy tran transition. We had to balance two to requirements. We, ne we needed to create a, a, an oper a operative working group in which we could make decisions, advance, etc., and also a represent representative uh, working group in which uh, a plurality of voices and of of, of organizations uh, were, were incorporated. Of course, we incorporated the uh, uh, decision makers from the local government, from, from the regional government, also from the local uh, companies and private sector. I'm thinking about big energy companies, for instance. We we needed them. We, we wanted to, to them to be on board of this energy transition uh, uh, roundtable. Uh, and I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if it, it's general, uh, something that can, to, can be generalized or not, but in our case, it was really important to incorporate the university as the facilitator of the process. Mm -hmm. I mean, we needed someone with, with the knowledge of the methodological and participatory tools related to systemic innovation, but also with the with the overall vision of what the of what the energy transition uh, should be. And, and and it helped us a lot to have them as, as, as a as a mediator and facilitator role in order to enable this kind of open dialogue between diff very different kind of, of people and institutions. Let's travel a bit back in time now, um, because, I mean, you're really both pioneers in, in that field, uh, but I guess it was a learning process that wasn't easy and probably still isn't that easy uh, every day. Can you tell us what was the biggest challenge when you started this journey? As you said, it's still ongoing. Um, I think the biggest challenge for us, there are there are a few, I think, but just to choose, choose a couple overwhelmingly you know we're like you said we're, we're doing something that's never been done before especially uh, in Dublin and perhaps even nationally actually so there's no kind of blueprint for us to follow we're essentially creating a blueprint alongside the creation of this roadmap so we almost have two responsibilities in one so the first one being to create a roadmap to reach our climate targets but then secondly to zoom out and and look at the process as a whole and understand what worked, what didn't, um, in order to pass the torch to other communities and agencies and cities, you know, around the country and internationally. And I think managing that has been a significant challenge, uh, just knowing if we're on the right track. Um, mm -hmm. And then also, you know, we started this process with some knowns and a lot of unknowns. So, for example, we have, like I mentioned, four local authorities here in Dublin, And we know that they're only directly responsible for just 5% of greenhouse gas emissions in the Dublin region. So our motivation for creating this transition team and creating this roadmap was, okay, well, how do we tackle the other 95% and how do we do this in a fair and effective way? And that really is our 
our core purpose for this team and for the roadmap. But because this process is the first of its kind in Dublin, we also don't have all the answers. So mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time in what I call the zone of uncertainty, which can mm-hmm. be, you know, a serious challenge. Um, and we've also found it challenging, you know, like I mentioned before, working with a range of new stakeholders that we've recruited for the team and because you know traditionally we'd be quite local authority led so this is yeah it's it's a new domain and a challenge for us but we're we're up for the challenge. Mm, That's very encouraging I think others will certainly like lose a bit of their fear to start such a journey uh, listening to you Uh, and Jordi did you have a bit of a bumpy road part when you when you started all this? Yeah, definitely. And we still have them. <laughs> But for me, the most important barrier that we are uh, facing in, in this in this kind of project is fragmentation. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, of course, if, if we want to address the climate neutrality of the city, we need to incorporate a holistic approach. And this is very difficult because uh, not only at the public administration, but we find a lot of silos around the different challenges that we that, that we face. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need to implement uh, cross-cutting policies. And this is really, this is really difficult because, I mean, Uh, particularly or local local administration in Spain at least is 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 really fragmented not yeah, and we and we find uh, we find a lot of barriers there not only political barriers but also technical barriers i mean mm-hmm. the, the the way where uh, in the at the end of the, of the day the, the the solutions are implemented are really sectorial i mean the policies are really sectorial decisions are made in really in, in are really made in a sectorial basis. That's what we are trying to address in Valencia. And that's one of the, the reasons why we find that the, the definition of a mission for the, for, for the whole city has the potential to, to help us to overcome this kind of silos. Because if we define a clearly and well-defined goal for the overall city, I mean, I, I think we feel that this is the way of aligning all mm-hmm. the different policies that are being carried out from many different uh, administ- uh, administrative and technical instances. So this is, I mean, this is this is one of the most potential that the, the, the main potential that, that we see in in our uh, mission-oriented innovation policies. I think that's all the added value of the Tomorrow Project, that people are getting together around one really common vision and, and common values. And I, I wanted to to ask both of you as well, um, just to make this a bit more concrete also, um, if, if we'd fast forward now to 2040 or 2050, and if we'd imagine um, you have arrived at the end of this transition road, how will Valencia and how will Dublin look like in these years I think it's a great question. I think, you know, more of us um, kind of need to be speaking about the co-benefits and and how our cities are going to look uh, if we do achieve uh, what we've set out to achieve. So I suppose just to paint a picture for for those listening, if our roadmap is a success, um, which we have every intention for it to be, Mm -hmm. um, that will mean that, you know, we'll have reduced our emissions um, at by at least 51% in, in 2030 and will have reached net zero by 2050. So to put it simply, Dublin will have delivered action against the climate crisis. And with that, you know, we'll all be reaping the benefits of having done so. So, for example, other than the obvious achievement of having 
you know, ended the burning and use of fossil fuels, we'll see a Dublin that is very much experiencing all of the co-benefits that come with climate action. So, you know, we have a, a kind of responsibility and a need to remove thousands of cars off our roads. So with that, you know, and in an affordable and accessible and reliable public transport system across the county and safe cycling infrastructure, you know, you see more people moving around. Our air quality will have improved dramatically. Mm-hmm. And we'd hope that with that, you know, significantly less premature deaths caused by air pollution, because that's very much uh, prevalent here in in Dublin and across like nationally as well and you know we'll see people across Dublin places and biodiversity thriving and you know living in harmony you know and and the people of Dublin having I suppose limitless opportunities just to enjoy and access natural spaces you know we'll be living in warm cozy and energy efficient homes and, you know, really importantly, people will no longer be living in energy poverty. And, and that's a that's a big piece of, of what we're looking at as well, is that kind of just transition and ensuring that, you know, it, we're reaching the, the, you know, the furthest behind first with our roadmap. So, you know, we have, it'll be guided by, you know, um, an evidence base and our engineers within Codema have determined what areas across Dublin are most at risk of, of energy poverty. And, and we should be prioritising, you know, our efforts to um, ensure that their homes are energy efficient first. So it's that kind of thing. So ultimately, we'll be living in a city of, you know, connected communities and neighbourhoods and, you know, seeing people more actively involved and and benefiting from a fair and inclusive energy transition by 2050. So, yeah, it's a uh, it sounds great. So let's fingers crossed we get there. <laughs> Definitely it does. I, I think I will book a ticket in the time machine just to get there more quickly. It sounds really great. And and would would Valencia be the same? I mean, you're you're not in the same climate exactly, and the 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 context is not exactly the same, but still. What, what would it look like in 2050? Well, I would definitely repeat all the <laughs> ideas that Cathy has, has mentioned because, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, we are facing, I mean, we are in different contexts, but we are facing more or less the same, the same, the same problems. And I think that, that more or less the same strategies and the, and the same ambitions. That's an idea that Cathy expressed perfectly now. I mean, is the, this idea that a climate-neutral Valencia will be a city where people will be able to live better. I mean, we have to think about the, 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 exactly the, the co-benefits. I mean, a, a, a climate-neutral city, it's a better city to, to, to live in and, and it, because it, it embraces everything. It, it embraces green infrastructure. It, 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 it embraces a, 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 a more a citizens-oriented urbanism. I think that we need to incorporate that sense of urgency. I mean, uh, we need to accelerate that processes because, okay, you you have asked asked what will be the image of our city if we put in practice all the measures that we need to put to to, mm-hmm. to do. But we have we need also to to ask the the, the question the other way way around. What will be the the image of our city if we do not uh, put into mm-hmm. practice all these measures. This is something that 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 we we need to put in the in the public agenda also. That this this, this is not optional. I mean, the the climate uh, emergency, it's it's a real fact. So uh, mm-hmm. we as cities need to to provide uh, an accelerated answer to that challenge. 
I really appreciate you remind the the urgency of uh, of climate action or of the energy transition overall, uh, Jordi. I think that should be one m main motivation for many uh, local governments uh, all over Europe. And uh, indeed, it's we don't really have the choice. We just have the choice to decide on how this transition should look like and where we want to end. Uh, and I think you draw a really nice picture uh, of where your different cities will be in 2050. And I feel lots of positive vibes and I hope the, the listeners do too. We will need to, to end the interview now, but I just wanted to see if you want to share a final advice. You know, speaking from my own experience, that's very much my driving force um, is to kind of... I suppose, hand down um, a better city, country and planet and, and leave it in a better state than when I found it. So I suppose my advice would be to anyone who hasn't kind of started a transition process like this or who wants to, is to find your why and to, to understand your motivation, because it, it's not easy to bring together, like like Jordi has said, to, to pull together and pull people out of silos um, and create this kind of uh, collaborative approach. Is It's it's really difficult, um, uh, but, you know, that should be even more of a motivation to do it. So, yeah, my, my piece of advice would be just to to find your why and 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 keep going. Nice. Thanks, Katie. Jordi? <laughs> well, I would just like to point out something that you are already doing, and, and, uh, and uh, it is the importance of communication. I mean, we need to communicate that uh, issue in, in a very practical and direct way to people. I mean, we need to reach people uh, and to let the messages arrive to, to people. And, and for that reason, social communication is essential to enable and to accelerate uh, urban sustainability sustainability transitions. I think that this is something that also in Valencia we are trying to we are working hard and we are also learning how to do it because it is not easier because this is the I, mean, I think that this is the decade for action definitely i mean all mm. the things that we do not do uh, before the 2030 maybe uh, will come too late so we need to enable that kind of communication in order to mobilize action uh, at very different different realms Thanks a lot for this very bold call to action. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Jordi, for taking the time to share your learnings, but even more for your commitment, really, uh, every day at Kodima and at the, the Valencia City Council. You gave a pretty good understanding, I think, of how you manage the transition, including some of the hurdles. I do hope other local government leaders will feel more comfortable now to embark on a similar journey working closely with their citizens and other local players, which is still some of the, the most difficult things, I guess, to, to have a truly bottom-up transformation of, of one city. So thank you again, Katie and Jordi. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you very much for the invitation and for the nice talk we have had. This episode was brought to you by the EU Project Tomorrow. Since 2019, Tomorrow is supporting six cities on their very participatory way towards a sustainable and fair future. The project gets funding from the European Horizon 2020 program and you can go to the website citiesoftomorrow.eu to learn more and you can make use of great resources such as the Tomorrow Transition Toolbox.